0: Hi, welcome. This is Talking in the Rain, and I am your host, Saira Unjo, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, my guest is Cameron Wilson, a violinist and composer, and his new work, A Midnight Clear, will be making its world premiere at the Corleone Christmas Concert, December 15th through 18th. And it's going to be amazing. I'm going on the 15th. Maybe I'll see you there. Cameron and I talked about, of course, of Midnight Clear, how that came about, the creation process. We got into, well, how he got started with music, how he got into playing the violin. We talked about the all of the musical groups that he's in. It's quite a bit. It's impressive how much this man does. <laughs> we got into his music taste. We talked about how taxing composing can be um and you know overall musician stuff (laughs) i hope you enjoy thank you so much for joining me uh let's get to be here thanks (laughs) thank you let's get started by just you know getting the basics out of your the way introducing yourself um how long you've been playing the violin for how you got started yeah just overall (laughs)
1: Uh, okay, so my name is Cameron Wilson, and I'm the composer uh, of the piece Midnight Clear, uh, commissioned by the Corleone Choir, uh, which will receive its world pre- premiere um, in December. I'm really looking forward to it. I've had a, a great relationship with, with Corleone over the years, uh, played on many of their concerts. I'm a great admirer of the choir, and uh, it's just fantastic uh, working with Eric on this piece, because uh, it, it was it was truly a collaboration, so it's it's great. I'm also a violinist. I mean I started playing violin when I was about 5 years old. And I I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, which was the first Canadian city that actually got the Suzuki string program. <laughs> so the during the you know that period there's a lot of a lot of musicians that come out of Edmonton uh in orchestras like playing string instruments because that was the very first city to uh receive the Suzuki training, which is, you know, I I think it's it's a fantastic method for teaching young ki- kids uh, string instruments. Um, so, yeah, very fortunate to, to be in Edmonton at that time. Um, and um, I'm still playing <laughs> some 50 years later. <laughs> so,
0: Were you always interested in pursuing this as a career?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, I, I you know, I, I knew when I was 13, I was going to be a musician. Uh, my, my parents are musicians. I mean, not professionally, but my dad's a, a fiddler, an old time fiddler uh, from the Ottawa Valley. And my mom used to play uh, old time piano, like, uh, you know, back him up on piano. So they're, they're very musical. So I grew up learning that style of music and then also learning classical violin. So I guess my playing really reflects, you know, all these different genres. And then I, I'm a big fan of Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli. So I like playing, you know, the swing jazz as well and Celtic music as well. <laughs> um, uh, you know, like Irish and Scottish and uh, and such. So, yeah, all, the, all, all those influences. Um, and then as far as classical goes, like, uh, you know, when I was 13, I think I got a Nitsak Proman record. And, you know, I'd never heard anyone play the violin like that before. It was just his tone, you know, it was amazing um so yeah all these influences and then there was always there's always music in the house and you know the company would come over and you know <laughs> that play right <laughs> and it just it was all a part of of like the social uh being social you know social uh, interaction and we'd have upright piano in the living room and uh
0: yeah do you have a lot of musical friends
1: i do yeah most of my friends are musicians. Nice. I think we're the only ones that understand each other really <laughs> put up with each other. Uh yeah, because we you know musicians are a different a lot. <laughs> but it's the best, you know, it's just uh, wouldn't trade it for anything. oh well, we, there's like that saying that you know, you don't you don't choose music, music chooses you. And I think that's very true for a lot of people, you know. You do it because you love it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think is the most challenging part for you being a musician
1: uh well i guess there's two things is like you know um uh <laughs> staying creative all the time for sure like you know as, as a composer and arranger you're always looking to to do something different or something that reflects you individually and just new ideas and then also i guess just you know uh the, the whole business of making a living at it because it's you know, it's a, it's a challenge for all musicians to stay afloat these days, especially now, you know, especially since the end of the pandemic. I mean, things are coming back, which is great, but there was like that, that two-year period where nobody was working, you know, it was, it was really strange. It was like a vacuum kind of, so, um, but things are, are, things have been sort of back to normal. I'm, I'm, I'm stupid busy now. Like I, I wasn't before the pandemic, so I'm really grateful for that. And, uh, hmm. so i'd say those two things really and then and then just as you get older also just making sure that you can still you can still play because everything you know your body gets older Um uh, you, you've got to you've got to practice smarter <laughs> you've got to still you got to practice a lot because uh just to stay in shape i i find some things are easier as you get older but um some things aren't <laughs> so and you know the aches and pains because <laughs> you know playing the violin is not the is not the most relaxing instrument. I mean, to start it, you know, holding it the way you hold it, you know, it's just like nobody walks around with their arm up like this. You know? <laughs> so so stretching is very important before you play and 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 just things like that.
0: Mm. Question I've always had. Yeah. Um, because you hold the violin basically like your chin is down, right? Yeah. Does that hurt your neck?
1: No, I mean the, the, the whole thing with the violin is it, it should sit on your collarbone. Yeah. So the more you press down with your chin, um, the more tension there's gotta be. You 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 really want to stay tension free when you play. So mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of a balancing thing with between holding, you know, the neck of the violin with your thumb and the fingers and it resting on the collarbone. I mean, obviously there's some pressure, but you 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 don't wanna be doing this. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> So it's 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 finding a way to be um, to be relaxed. You cannot play if you're not relaxed because there's you know tendonitis and there's arthritis and there's all these others. Um, yeah, and that goes for the bow arm too. The bow arm has to be completely relaxed too when you're playing.
0: Oh What um, did so you it's... when you, because you said you started playing when you were five, right? Yeah. So I'm sure it must have been easier for you to get used to that. The position you hold the violin in, and you know, I think so. Actually, relaxed,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, um, I started on an eighth size violin. You know, like like people, some some kids start when they're two or three, and they have these one sixteenth size violins, or like a tiny little, you know, toy violin. Um, but you, but yeah, it's definitely a, an instrument that that if you start younger, you start when you're very young, it really does help you. Uh, as you get older. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you've been playing for for so long. I'm assuming yeah. <laughs> um you can, you know, crack a piece by just listening to it. <laughs> yeah, or- well
1: I I played I still play with the Vancouver Symphony as an extra, but I when I was full-time um one of the greatest things that playing with a symphony teaches you is how to sight read music because you know, a, a lot of the time you'll go into a rehearsal and you haven't looked at it. so you're kind of learning on the fly but I it really improved my sight reading so I look at a piece of music and then you just uh, over time you know just by looking at music you you play it faster and there's most most classical musicians are like that though they can just read stuff like like that
0: which is Um, so impressive
1: yeah which is great um but then I like playing by ear too so like a lot of classical players I think wish they could improvise or play by ear um rather than being stuck on the page so um I, I, I see the value in both worlds really. I think it's really important to learn to read music, but I think it's important to get off the page too and, and be able to hear things. So
0: mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. I'm sure they have <laughs> they bring different like aspects. To oh yeah. How the uh, yeah. yeah, the NPs. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and both really enhance each other, I think too, you know, when you're when you're improvising um and because you, can, you you can improvise something and then write it out <laughs> what you've done to study it you know um uh, but but also just just people that can read music like like that I just it's amazing and uh and like I said most symph- symphonic players are like that so and it just comes over over time because you're doing it on a daily basis you know you're doing it over and over so
0: do you, do you improvise a lot yourself I, I do
1: yeah I I do especially with like uh a group like van Django which is a the swing jazz group i play with and um yeah i enjoy it i you know and and often i'll do studio sessions for for people that want like i say a country fiddle or a celtic fiddle or something and you go in and you hear the track and they might have a lead sheet with chords on it but you basically have to come up with your own part so and that's that's fun that's challenging
0: yeah
1: sometimes it's all written out too which is (laughs) it all depends i mean you're just sort of ready for both you know situations you know like
0: yeah it sounds like you there are still ways in which the the job is fresh for you. It does. It hasn't. Like it doesn't ever. Oh yeah. Go stale. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, and I think that's one reason. Like, I was full time with the VSO, and I decided to go part time, and then job share, and then um, become a freelancer because I I like the variety. Like every week is is different now. I mean, as long as you're working, it's great, but every week is different. Like, so for example, you know, like last week I play a VSO pop show and then this coming week I'm playing with a choir in West Vancouver or something like, you know, or you have two studio sessions next week and then, um, three Christmas shows with Van Jangles. I mean, every week is just, is just different and that, that that keeps it fresh because when you're just doing one thing all the time, sometimes it can really just get, you know, what's the word, um, I want to say stale, it just gets, uh you know you lose focus i
0: think yeah
1: and it and it's yeah it's not you, as creative I, I just like the creative process
0: yeah know? well i can't anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start composing um
1: well i when i was a kid i suppose i'd write little pieces oh. for piano or violin but i i think in in uh, seriousness when in in my mid 20s probably um, I had a piano trio. I still have a piano trio called mm-hmm. Joe Trio, and I do arrangements for them. Um, and then I'd, I'd start writing for other people. And then, and then I think I started writing for orchestra because I was in the VSO, and it, it was it was a great training ground because you're sitting there and you're hearing oh, all these great composers wrote, right? So it's almost like a master class every day you go to work. It's like, oh, you, you doubled the clarinets and the oboes there. That's a really cool effect, or you know, things like that so i've I've done a lot of orchestral stuff um and then it's funny during the pandemic. I didn't really write hardly at all. That's weird, but I'm getting back into it now and and in fact, the Corleone piece, I think is one of the first pieces I've written since the pandemic. so
0: wow, yeah, talking about the Corleone piece um first of all, you mentioned that you know you've uh written for you've written orchestral work as well, Corleone. His choir, <laughs> right, right. Do you see a difference in um, uh, writing for an orchestra versus a choir?
1: Oh yeah, I mean definitely. I mean, um, just the whole the whole difference between like writing for instruments and writing for voices, for, to start. And again, like Eric, um, Eric Light, the musical director of, of Corleone, has been such a great help to me. Um, because I'll write something and you'll say, no, you, it, it would sound better if you open up the voices here to, to create a different, you know, a different uh, interval of the chord, for example. Uh, and it's just like, wow, that's amazing, you know. Um, and also you have to think about like breath because singers aren't like instruments where they can sustain forever, right? Like, so as a violinist, I wouldn't think of, oh, I have to take a breath after I sing a phrase, right? Because <laughs> you're just playing. So so there's there's a lot of things like that. Um but it's been great because this piece is actually um for choir and then a band. So I'm actually one of the members of the band. So that that's that's nice as well. It's not just a cappella choir. So you can so there's a there's piano, harp, violin, guitar, and percussion. So all these different little colors you can you know, add add to the mix. Oh. Yeah,
0: my add. Uh, very interesting. I've only seen Corleone <laughs> yeah. once, and it was yeah, oh. all voice, yeah, a cappella. So it's going to be interesting seeing them uh, with instruments as well.
1: Oh yeah, no, it, it's it's it, it, I think it's one of the best Christmas concerts if not the best Christmas concert in Vancouver. Like they just, they're amazing. They're just really and and in St Andrews Wesley too. It's just, it's beautiful, right? You've got yeah. just visually, and then. The sound is very good too especially since they've done all the renovations and everything like you sit there and just and it's just the way they the way they present i mean the shows are just amazing but uh yeah i'm really looking forward to it and we get to do it um i think i believe it's six shows so that's good
0: yeah yeah you, have, you have... have a chance to a be myself it's not where i was going but sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so yeah, um the piece is called A Midnight Clear. Yes. Let's talk about that a little. First of all, um in general, how do you title your pieces? Because um as opposed to like, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to like I would say most songs, these ones don't have their right, name, right. that you can pull a title from. So right. yeah, how how do how is the process for you?
1: Well, the um, When I first was talking with Eric about this, uh, he had said, what what are you, what are you thinking? And I said, well, you know, I've always liked the Christmas carol, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. And he said, I, I've always liked that piece as well. So that was a starting point. And then I, you know, I'm not a librettist. <laughs> I'm more just like I, I write music. So uh, Eric adapted the words to It Came Upon a Midnight Clear and he rearranged them all. Because the original poem is from... Uh, 1849 by um, a man named Edmund Sears. He wrote, he wrote, it came up on a midnight clear bit of trivia there. (laughs) Anyway. So, so Eric uh, rearranged all the, all the words and made it into kind of a story. So, and then that was the starting point. And then, Oh, this is great. And then I was able to, and then he even put it into sections. So like it's the the pieces in three sections. So the music reflects different music for each section. Right. Um, but it really tells a story and the other the other uh thing that he wanted to emphasize was 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 me fiddling because i've often i i do another piece with them called old Zion and i fiddle that's eric's arrangement actually and i i came up with a fiddle part for that so he said can cam if you can incorporate some fiddling into this that would be great so the last section of the piece is there's, there's a lot of fiddling going on so it's yeah it's 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 an interesting piece it's like different genres like within nine minutes (laughs) going on but um yeah no it's it's great and and uh i've even quoted a little bit of the original carol just so like oh okay there it is (laughs) you know because i tried to come up with my own melodies rather than you know just to readaptation of it came up on a midnight clear
0: yeah the three sections did you work on them separately and then they came together or yeah, did you have exactly. an idea? Of, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And everything, all, all three sections are segued, So there's no, there's no stop. Mm. So the first one's called mystery. The second is the message. And then the third one is called a hoedown of hope. And those are all Eric's titles. Actually, he came up with those. I didn't. So, mm-hmm
0: have you been composing mostly on commissions do you yeah
1: most of the time yeah most of the Mm -hmm. time um I've been wanting to write an orchestral overture for a while now that is not a commission and I've you know I've I've sketched some of it but I haven't actually finished (laughs) it so when I do I'll probably you know give it to the VSO or or you know see if if an orchestra wants to try and perform it but it's you know with me well with music it's like earworms you know you just keep humming it or you keep hearing it over and over when that's the case you know that it's probably you should probably write it down and because you know yeah. and I think a lot of composers are like that they'll be walking around and they come up with an idea but that's how that's how I do it anyway sometimes <laughs> other times you just sit sitting, sitting at a piano and just banging stuff out right with this piece I, I worked a lot of it out on the piano
0: Mm-hmm. yeah so what is it uh, the creation process for you what is it like usually
1: you know you don't just sit down and go okay i'm gonna write this it, it kind of you think about it for a little while so i i started back in the summer thinking about it if i wanted to do it but once once i got like the ideas for each section like you know how how i thought each section was going to go then i could put it all together and add little segues and things to join the sections, so like, and, and Eric was great too. He said, "Cam, why don't you? He, this is how I hear. I hear the first section being really sparse and mysterious, and then the second section could be this a little more lyrical, and then the third section, you know, I really rock out, like, re, you know, with, with fiddling and like bring the house down." So that's, I just try to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see.
0: Yeah, and you said that this piece has the piano, harp, guitar. Percussion violin. and violin, yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, did you write for all five of those in- instruments yourself? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah I did. The harp is challenging because with harp, it often it's it's, <laughs> you know, everything is pedals, so it's almost like you know, like a like a clutch and a gas pedal and a brake on <laughs> a All these, you know, you have to change the pedaling to get different. Notes and sounds. Um, whereas like guitar, you know, I know guitar just from working with guitarists and, and piano, I play some piano. Uh percussion, I just, you know, it's it's very light percussion, but it's effective. And then uh the piano is the piano is pretty essential to to the choir because normally with Corleone, like there's a piano in their shows anyway. I mean they will be a cappella, but they'll have a piano there. So when I created the score, Eric wanted the piano with the choir. So I have a part. That's just piano and choir. And then you generate individual parts for all the other instruments. Um, but yeah, our first band the first band rehearsals this coming week, so that'll be fun hearing it for the first time. Oh my that god. Goes.
0: Do you uh do you think it will go through changes after the rehearsal?
1: Probably little things, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, when I first gave Eric the the score and then he made all sorts of notes about what what he suggested helpful suggestions to revise it so we that whole process has happened mm-hmm. so now it's probably just little little things but yeah no he was he was so helpful to like just meet because I, I was having trouble getting a clear uh, picture of what the piece should be you know mm-hmm. um as soon as he suggested all these things like with the turning it into a story it just made complete sense to me so that that was good
0: how long did it take you to create this piece
1: well, oh, you mean like the, the the first moment of like actually sitting down and writing it, you mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this one was like your other works as well. I'm just... Uh, sometimes it's fast
1: and sometimes it's yeah. slow. Um, I mean, it was a good month. It was probably a good month of just writing stuff down and, and putting it. And then you put it into Sibelius, right? Or into computer, I mean. Mm-hmm. So I have a music writing, music software program where you... And you can hear it as you go too, which is good as you're working on it. But I thought about it for a month before that. So I guess i mean a month of writing and a month of thinking about it maybe
0: (laughs) that makes sense (laughs) yeah and how do you know a piece is done
1: uh i don't know if you ever know it's done i I think you know when you hear it when i did all the revisions after eric uh come back and he liked it and then i heard it and i thought yeah it works (laughs) so We'll see. I mean, it's going to sound totally different live than it does on a computer, right? Obviously, because the, the human element. And yeah, I can't wait. I I hope people like it. I uh, I'm still I'm still humming the tunes, so I think that's good. Probably a good sign. Oh yeah. If they if people can remember the tunes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I would say to Eric, you know, when while I'm working on it, I said you know this is really tonal. It's not really modern music. It's not atonal. Are people going to like it? And he said, it's Christmas, Cam it's Like it's Christmas, it's got to be melodic. <laughs> I lost context of that for a little while, but he's 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 right, right? You know, who wants to hear like atonal, twelve toned a, a, a Christmas concert celebrating the season and you know in a beautiful church and amazing choir. And... Anyway, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, don't worry. I was gonna say, I guess a good thing about having a collaborator is that you get to keep each other on track. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And Eric's a great collaborator. I mean, and he's so experienced, you know, and like he's been immersed in choral music his whole life. And he, he actually started, he plays, he plays the cello. I think the cello was his first instrument. So that's really cool as well. So oh, I didn't he, comes, know that. he comes, he comes from a string background too. So that was very cool.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Um, but he loves pop music too. Like he's a big Brian Wilson fan, for example. So it's like, yeah, no, it's great.
0: <laughs> what, do you, what do you like? What's your taste in music? I,
1: <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Cause you know, you're always out playing. So like I don't go to concerts <laughs> because I'm too busy playing. Um, I I like everything. I I've been listening to a lot of bluegrass recently, actually. Uh, I love the Plunch Brothers. Do you know them? Are you...
0: No, oh, I don't. They... Unfortunately, not.
1: <laughs> check out, check them out. They're really great. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I listen to a little bit of everything. I I like I listen to like James Ennis, great violinist. I listen to I like Elvis Costello. I like The Specials. I like uh, <laughs> Nick Lowe like bob marley like yeah i i don't really listen to top 40 i suppose my my kids do yeah <laughs> so you know all about you know um what's her face olivia rodrigo and <laughs> Taylor <laughs> swift and <stuff. laughs> um but you know like i you know, as an example the, the the beatles single that just got released like i i found that interesting because it was an old song of john lennon's and they just added added things to it you know to make it and they were able to use the ai to separate his voice and the piano which they never would have been able to do back in the 90s even you know so that that, that kind of stuff's interesting you know, yeah so i like everything i mean you know i, I, I need like gregorian chant i like listening to gregorian chant sometimes i like uh you know lush orchestral music i love mm-hmm. morricone like the the film composer i love his stuff
0: yeah um, oh talk about films yeah. you've composed oh. for a documentary film before
1: oh called citizen sam citizen sam yeah that was yeah that was a few years ago that was an nfb film it was a cool film it was about sam sullivan when he when he became mayor <laughs> i mean leading up to him become becoming mayor oh, what year was that 2006 maybe or seven um but yeah it was based i think the whole thing was a was a string soundtrack actually i think and i used a piece of music uh Sasson, camille Sasson, dance dance macabre which is a it's often associated with that, like for Halloween. And I used that, and I, I wrote variation variations on it during the film, like, you know, little background music and stuff. Uh, I've, I've written music for another film called The Merry Contest, which is totally different. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's that's like piano, violin, cello, and oboe, I believe. I like to do more. It, it's, it's really enjoyable, but it's a real taxing process. Once you get into writing for a film, it's like... <laughs> It's a lot, it's very time consuming. It's very, you know.
0: Do you how do you work when you're um working with film? Do you like watch the the yeah. film and then yeah? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And you know, you'll I'm I'm pretty primitive. You'll look at a scene and you'll you'll see you have a minute and twenty-four seconds or whatever, and then you kind of figure out what kind of music you want in the scene and uh or often actually it's the director telling you, I want music here. <laughs> so you have to write you know the the easy part is the opening credits and the end credits music because usually the opening is just you know it's a complete piece of music so that that's interesting so it's yeah it's like writing the picture basically yeah
0: yeah that is interesting do you well i guess have you had to create like um multiple options and then the director chooses one or do you yeah Actually,
1: yeah 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 that, that does happen yeah or you'll you'll do one and they'll go no that's not really working why don't you try it like this <laughs> but yeah sometimes you you know exhibit a exhibit b and you just present them <laughs> and they, they say well i like that one and maybe you could use that other one in a, over here in another scene or, you know well,
0: you really have to <laughs> get good at working with other people <laughs> oh yeah
1: absolutely that, to me that's the, one of the best things about music is the collaboration like you know the best times I mean I've had like playing this is in a band or in a small chamber ensemble or orchestra like it's so much it's so much better collaborating with people than it is just working by yourself and I think you're a better a better musician for it as well like mm-hmm. working with people you know when you, when you're in a band you get everybody's everybody's perspective they're all putting in equal amounts you know so the sum of the parts is always better than just what you can contribute you know what i mean
0: yeah
1: ak the beatles ak you know any any of those groups or you know
0: yeah uh, any it's band it's the sum really. of the
1: it's some of the parts or or an, or an orchestra like yeah
0: um, and you're part of so many different like musical groups you mentioned the joe trio joe trio yeah um, yeah and then uh, Van Django. Van Django, um, the hard rubber orchestra.
1: Hard rubber orchestra. Yeah. What, I was gonna yeah. say the
0: Mark Art Arkin- I have Atkinson. Uh, Mark Atkinson. Atkinson Quartet. It's his oh, birthday why? today. Oh really? Oh my god, it's happy birthday.
1: birthday. <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, Mark. <laughs> um yeah, and it, it with Mark's Mark's thing, he's a brilliant guitarist and um, um composer, but all all his stuff is his own music. So the big challenge there. I've been playing with him for a few years. Is i he'll, you know, I I have to, I have to learn his his music and it's it's difficult, right? And then, but the same thing, he'll give you ideas of like, oh Cam, why don't you try, try doing this here? Or, um, because he he has his own trio, and I you know, guitar, bass, two guitars and and stand up bass, but adding the violin because a lot of his stuff is orchestral, so I think it's it's it works really well having a string instrument combined with him. The hard rubber orchestra is a totally different thing. I mean, that, that's another group that's like 30 that started in the nineties, early nineties. Uh John Corsrude, another brilliant musician, um, just had this this idea of taking a big band and combining it with modern modern classical music and avant-garde jazz, and it just created something that's totally original, you know? And again, I was like the token string player <laughs> because it's all these you know, like a big band and then a violin playing through an amplifier and uh, things like that I've, al- I've always been interested in in groups that just do something that's out of the ordinary kind of thing you know like and then trio too like it's a it's a classical piano trio but we do we do different genres of music or we'll take like say the pink panther and like put it into 10 different variations of different composers over 200 years that kind of stuff Par- musical parody too i've always been into musical parody where you like a piece of music and parody it you know like kind of oh
0: yeah what other musical parodies have
1: you done um well i did um um early on i I did a piece called a not so traditional christmas medley (laughs) so you take for lack of a better term taking the piss out of all these christmas carols so i'd have like i'd have a way in the manger in the style of like a country western version or jingle bells in the style of shostakovich or frosty the snowman you know just really menacing kind of (laughs) um and then uh with joe trio we do this thing called um the, the great composers meet TV themes from the 1960s and 70s. <laughs> so, and it's, it's almost like a presentation. So, we'll take, say, a theme to the Flintstones and as if it was composed by the classical composer Joseph Haydn <laughs> or Rossini uh, doing the Brady Bunch or <laughs> we call it the Brady's of Seville. So, you're combining, you know, Rossini with uh, Rossini with the Brady Bunch. Uh, Rachmaninoff doing Sesame Street, that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> I kinda of wanna hear that last
1: one. <laughs> yeah, it works really well actually. <laughs> but you know, to 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 do all that you have to be a real yeah you have to be a real fan of the original music because you can't parody something if you don't love it. So you, ha- you have to be a big admirer of of Rachmaninoff or Shastakovich sure. um but yeah so I've always I've always been into that but into into doing that kind of music but but lately it's more of just i want to do my own you know write my own stuff Mm
0: -hmm. uh
1: late late in life (laughs) later in life
0: (laughs) (laughs) never too late never too late no yeah and you're doing it which is amazing
1: yeah oh no i i'm i'm blessed i feel really grateful to be able to do this so yeah
0: Yeah. i can imagine it's it's taxing though um on your mind
1: yeah. Especially when it's like a tape loop and it's just going to you, like it won't, it won't leave. And, like, ah! and it, and it usually, if it's good, that's what happens. So like with this piece, um, it was happening, it was happening quite a bit <laughs> where you just, you know, you'd be writing it and then you take a break, but it's still in your head <laughs> and you go for a walk or you go out and it's kind of a form of madness, I think, in a way, <laughs> I don't know, for lack of a better term, you know, and not, not mad, mad, but just, you know, make it stop. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah it would drive you insane i yeah yeah, i get like there's constantly a song playing in my head i will say like yeah it doesn't ever stop i mean because i'm not like i'm not a musician (laughs) um it's never like original things yeah exactly when i listen to something it's just there forever and then right. the only time it's gone is when i'm actually listening to something right and so I'm, I'm like i don't know if the the solution is better than the problem itself just constantly yeah. listening to I, things <laughs>
1: i i don't know because if you don't keep hearing it in your head then i i think probably it's not memorable either you know right you know what i mean like it's
0: true that's that's an interesting way to look at it
1: it's um Earworms, and I've read about composers you know, like I, I, I think I think it's it's a it's a common thread where a composer I read about you know like like their journals, whether it's Mozart or Schubert or whatever the, this 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 piece will not leave me alone, and I I feel compelled to, you know, and these guys, and then and then, you know these are the real composers, not like you know, <laughs> like the the you know, the greats. So I I think there's definitely something to it, for sure, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Do you have any <laughs> unfinished works that just kind of, like, haunt you?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, well, there's a piano trio that I started, like, 25 years ago. Uh, and I have, I've never, I've never, I've just, I, it's in my head. I haven't written it down, parts mm. of it, like, not the whole thing. So there's that one. I started a piece before the pandemic. It was actually a triple cello concerto. It was a commission that I just kept procrastinating. And and it was for these three, it's called uh, Three Sisters Cello, I think. and It was Three Sisters. And um, they wanted they wanted the piece based on ABBA themes. So it's like a triple concerto. So I basically tried to do the musical parody with ABBA. And so I wrote the piece. I have the cellos and it, with a piano reduction, but I'm, I, I, I started working on the orchestration and then I just stopped during the pandemic <laughs> and I haven't come back to it. So there's, there's that piece. Other than that, no, not really. Uh, everything else is kind of finished. Nice. I worked with Stuart McLean uh, years ago on a piece, two pieces, one called uh, History of Canada. Um, and then I Remember Wayne, which is about Wayne Gretzky's next door neighbor growing up next to Wayne Gretzky. And these are stories that that Stuart um, came up with, right? Like he wrote and I just did the music behind it. And then sadly, Stuart passed away in the 2015 or 16. So they've never been performed since, but.
0: Mm, yeah, I went off on a tangent there. <laughs> oh, that's okay, <laughs> it's it gives it gives even more insight into your brain. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, yeah. I was gonna ask, do you? I'm sure oh, you I, must get burnout. Sorry, what?
1: Oh, I just the most recent thing I've done is I, I orchestrated, um, I did orchestrations for a dug and the Slugs VSO show. I don't know, if, I, I probably should have mentioned that to you, and that took mm-hmm. three months. And that was this summer, the concert was at the PE. Um, but it was like 19 orchestrations of their songs. So, anyway, sorry. Oh
0: no, that, no. And that was
1: that was that was taxing because it's like, you know, I based it was like around the clock working on this stuff. You know. <laughs> oh
0: my god, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it, you know, if you if you like Doug and the slugs, I mean, they were a great band during the day, right? And their their music is they really he, Doug Bennett wrote some great songs, and they were a great band. So, but okay. I worked with again another collaboration. I worked with Simon Kendall. Uh, the keyboardist from that band on that. And again, Simon knows the music better than anybody, so um, it was great. I mean, I actually did the I did the, the physical labor, but he really helped with the arrangements and stuff too. So, anyway,
0: how do you how do you did, did do they reach out to you or? Yeah, that was just yeah. like
1: because I I had done some studio work for Simon years ago. Like he'd hired me to play violin on on something, like because he he's done a lot of film soundtracks and things. So he said, "Cam, I get this gut feeling we'd work well together." And I, are you interested in, in and they and they they're interested in, in doing more of these? They've just done one, but they want to do symphony shows across Canada, right? So I said, yeah, I said, it sounds amazing. So sometimes they reach. out. I mean, it's you know, I, I have a website, but I never update it properly. <laughs> I really should. That side of my brain is just not really happening. <laughs> so and there's a lot of people that have all this together. You know, they're tech savvy and they're everything, and I'm I'm not one of those kind of people but i probably should because if you want to get more work and you want to progress and get the exposure and people can go to your website and go oh you did that or you know so it's 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 pretty it's pretty important but i've just never really been into that It's like yeah for lack of a better i don't know why it just
0: it's just not for everyone. No, no. promotion. I mean are, I, I need to you...
1: working and but but as far as self promotion goes, yeah, I I lack it a little bit. So so more often than not, somebody will reach out to me and go, Hey Cam, do you want to do blah 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 blah?
0: Nice. And, yeah. <laughs> have you ever had a offer where you weren't you were on the fence about? Uh
1: no, I don't think so. I either just say no or yes. Or <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't I don't have You're time like... or <laughs> No, I'm never working with you again. <laughs> no, not again. I'm never working with you. Do I have to spell it out? Oh yeah. No. God. Usually it's it's if somebody approaches me, it's it's something I want to do, usually, you know? <laughs> because it's it's often it's somebody that knows my stuff too or knows me. So it's they they know that they know that this is what they want. And usually it's something that I'd be interested in too. So
0: yeah. That's good. I'm um, sure. It, also, it must be awkward. Well, I don't know. Actually, I, for me, it would be awkward to say no.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, nobody wants to say no to to you know potentially good work. Um, you know, lucrative work. But um, most most of the time, I, I think I've said yes <laughs> nice. right, when it comes up, and luckily that it keeps coming up. So it's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hopefully it will start to continue I, coming up as well. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, you know, maybe that somebody, you know, like, like for example, this piece, Eric said, you know, Cam, you're, you're going to want to rearrange it for a uh, mixed choir. So, you know, men and women, cause it's only, this is for men's choir. So that, that could, you know, that could lead to this being played by other choirs and then maybe a commission from a, from another choir. Or, I mean, it's just the way things like that happen a lot. You know, you put energy out and it just starts to, and I don't know if you found this like when you're, I you found when you're the you're at your very busiest is when the phone rings, like the phone's always ringing, and, and you're getting more stuff coming in. Like if you're not doing anything, it's. There's definitely something to that. I don't know what it is. It's like you're putting out the energy into the world or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I will say the summers because it's like the off-season. Right. It's very slow for me because there isn't, like, anything happening really. And then I don't right. get, like, interviews and stuff. Right. But then, uh, for example... The fall. In the, <laughs> the fall, yeah. In the past two months, I've been getting so many, like pitches and stuff and then i you're my like my third interview this week and i'm like what's happening that's (laughs) suddenly so busy (laughs) but yeah that's very
1: busy that's very busy
0: oh yeah definitely but hey busy is better
1: (laughs) no definitely definitely you know
0: yeah so i get the like when you said you know uh, you did this for Corleone and then uh, it might be uh, for a mixed choir and then they might, you know, commission you for something. It, it's really, it, it's all connected. One leads to another and then, kind of,
1: yeah, it's true. Get,
0: yeah. Start from somewhere.
1: <laughs> and then just, it's a, something like a snowball, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. A, a potential
1: snowball anyway. Um Yeah. Yeah, the the energy you put out always seems to come back.
0: I agree, and also In if you're ways. putting effort into it, it definitely shows.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I just find for me personally, I know probably it goes for all composers, but when you're when you're working on a on a piece, you're kind of living the piece. Like it just, it's it's you. It's like, <laughs> you know, you have to live it. You know, <laughs> so that's why you know. We, Chart on your family, chart <laughs> on your friends, because it's just like you're just, you know, I'll see you in, I'll see you in my I'll see you in a month when I finish the piece. You know, like <laughs> you're kind of just in this in this this world. That's what I find. It's almost like a trance, I think. Sometimes you have to go into this trance thing. I think it's probably why I procrastinate so much sometimes, because I just, you know, you you know you have to go into that zone to actually write it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I'm sure there's a scientific term for that. I just don't know what it is.
0: No, I get it. I will say, though, actually, so I studied psychology. And then we studied this model, basically, about how um, procrastination and stress kind of, it's like a little bell model where you will reach a point where your procrastination makes your like your stress makes your procrastination not procrastination your productivity um lead to that an optimal level so oh, whenever yeah whenever I'm like procrastinating I'm just in my mind thinking you know what it's okay my stress is gonna lead me to my optimal
1: productivity
0: <laughs> level
1: <Yeah. laughs> no you did right you
0: absolutely right well, yeah, And then sometimes it like passes it and then my productivity goes down and you know what, it's too late, but it's okay. <laughs> so we figure it out. There's
1: definitely a connection between stress and productivity for sure. Oh, you
0: know. definitely. Yeah. And yeah. I will say studying psychology is a great way to make excuses. <laughs> <laughs> that's good.
1: Yeah, I think so. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: that's why like, so many pieces like, you know, like, Mozart was just famous for that. Like, like you know, he'd write an overture to, to the opera the night before the premiere. Oh, it's in my head. Well, it's still no good in your head. Write it down, you know. And he'd be seriously copying out the parts like an hour before the concert. And they have to sight read the overtures. I mean, things like that, you know, like. Oh
0: my God. Crazy. <laughs> you know, uh, it must have been a pain for the orchestra, though.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I think so. Does I Me? mean, you know, the fa- the film Amadeus is that famous scene, you know, the magic flute, when the guy says, oh, have you finished it? And he says, well, yeah, it's all up here. And he says, oh, good up there. And he grabs him, you know, and it's like, write it down, Wolfie, write it down. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of, I, I, I find that kind of stuff kind of fascinating. It's like, and it all had to be written out by hand back in those days, too. You look at someone like Bach, you know, he had to write a cantata every Sunday for the, for master service. And a complete cantata, like seven days. And then I think he'd get his family to help him copy out all the music, all the parts. And it's like, just, it's a mind blower. Just amazing.
0: Yeah. And you write, you write on the computer, right?
1: (laughs) I write on computer. I used to write by hand Mm -hmm. before. Yeah. So I still have a whole pile of handwritten scores. Um, Some of them I've put into computer, but a lot of them I haven't. And Mm -hmm. so that needs, that needs to get done at some point. For me, it's just writing music. Like like writing it down. So that's mm-hmm. and you know, with Sibelius it's great because you can create MP3s, you can create audio files, you can PDFs people can print up easily, MIDI files, I mean all that stuff. And that's basically how it worked with this piece. Like, I'd send stuff to, to Eric and he'd hear it and then go and look at the score, and then he'd hit a red pen and he'd say, Oh, I think I think this could work better if you blah 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 blah. And then it was all good, you know, it was all really helpful for me. So
0: do you like uh, getting feedback on your oh work? yeah oh
1: yeah. yeah yeah definitely yeah if it's constructive right
0: yeah as long as <laughs> trying as to as make as the, the,
1: the piece better and if the you know there's the, I think there's a right there's a right way and wrong way to criticize something too it's this, this goes nowhere you know everybody <laughs> 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 <It's> the wrong <laughs> way as opposed, <laughs> the the germ of the idea is really good Cam now if you have well, you thought about maybe trying this and then that's 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 constructive right definitely
0: um, yeah. Well, but,
1: uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear the piece. Though I mean, I can't, I can't wait to just like close your eyes and, he, and like you're immersed in the sound of it. You know, like I mean, so.
0: Yeah, I will say what I absolutely love about whether it be going to the symphony or like Corleone's shows, is that you don't have to necessarily pay attention to the people on a stage. You can just close your eyes and yeah. immerse yourself yeah. in the music. That's right. Just oh so nice. Yeah. 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 I'm excited to immerse myself in your music. Oh nice.
1: I hope you like the piece.
0: <laughs> I'm sure I will though.
1: <laughs> it uh yeah, and like I said, six cracks at it. So it's it's by the sixth one, hopefully it'll be <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm glad they're doing so many shows though, because it's and it is be it is selling well. Apparently, the shows are selling well, so that's good. It's such a great concert. I mean, the way you know. Yeah look and forward to it every year check
0: it out. yeah yeah <laughs> it's gonna be great
1: oh well, thanks thanks
0: yeah and i i unfortunately have to put a stop to this because we're at the end of our time but well, it's, thank you it's thanks been so much. great yeah talking yeah, to you you too thank you so much for coming on
1: pleasure